I would like to be the air that inhabits you for a moment only. I would like to be that unnoticed and that necessary, as the novelist Margaret Atwood. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. I love that idea that we become so indispensable and so necessary that we are unnoticed like the air is unnoticed, but we're a part of our customers' lives. Today I'll cover that to achieve that I've found that everyone, every role in the organisation has to be focused on the customer, way beyond the sales and service people or even the marketing and product people, because that smooth, unnoticed indispensability requires that influence on every touch point to put the customer at the very centre. I know that some people listening are not members of a large organisation, but perhaps a one-person band or working, serving customers in a small group. But what I want to show today, that there are actually many roles that contribute. And in a large organisation, those roles are being fulfilled by a whole team or a whole function. And with an individual or in a small organization, then the few people or even the one person actually has to think and play each one of those roles, which actually is more difficult. HR, finance, legal, compliance, product development, manufacturing, sales, service, each has a role to creating that sense that you're just a part of a customer's life. I think if you're in a more senior role, you have to play the conductor and ensure that each role is actually contributing and thinking about the customer in that way. And what I've found over many years of going into so many organizations and observing the extent to which they are customer-centric is that the critical differentiator is actually the people who are in non-customer-facing roles. I remember working with a supermarket chain and getting to know the head of legal And one of his roles was to negotiate with the shopping centers, the sites that they were going to put their supermarkets on. And in this conversation we were having, he described to me in a great deal of detail about how mothers with small children and strollers getting in and out of cars with supermarket trolleys and all their shopping needed a certain amount of space in terms of the space between each car and the pavement. And what was fascinating for me was that he used that information, which he had gleaned from really knowing what customers need, to then negotiate the right site and the right car park approach for their design. And for me, that was such a great example because this guy was not supposedly close to customers and in many organizations wouldn't have been able to articulate anything close to that level of detail. So that's what I mean about having your non-facing roles, your non-customer facing roles, really understand what clients need. If you're in HR, you know, you probably got a whole lot of outsourced contractors. What's the relationship with them? To what extent do you treat them and and consider them to be a part of the team? Are you confident that they have the same attitude 
that your employees have towards customers. So HR can play a major role in terms of the way you balance, for example, contractors and non-contractors and how you treat them. I mean, that's just one of many examples. And finance, of course, how easy is it to bill? How easy are you to do business with? But also several CFOs I know now are focusing on how do they simplify what they demand of the business, of what they demand of frontline. How do they make the demands they need for collecting data less onerous so that the frontline are not distracted from that and are able to be closer to the customer? And so if you're in a small business, you may well have a particular area of focus or strength. I've run a consulting organization for many years, and mine was always delivering the work to clients. That's why I gravitated. That's why I enjoyed the most. Now, that area, I can be very customer-centric. Then I need to think about what is our hiring policy? How do we set up contracts, both for our employees and also for our clients? How do we bill our people? How do we deal with procurement? And am I giving that, as a leader, the equal attention? And if I'm just one person, how can I make sure that I think about each part of that experience? So let me tell you about my worst experience of a customer not being delighted and the impact that that's had on my behavior as a leader and how we later transformed our business as a a result. And I'm hoping through that that you will be able to see what elements of this are relevant for you, whether you're in a large organization and in one role or in a smaller organization playing multiple roles. It was the very early stages of the first organization that I started And my colleagues and I had come from the personal growth industry, where people used to pay to attend a program to understand their mindsets and how those produce certain behavior and results in their life. We had great successes, people turned their life around, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we took this program of work into corporations. And that was how we started our company. The company was called Corporate Vision. And we won our first pieces of work. We were so chuffed. It was an industrial company, I remember, who made compressed gas products of some sort. So we came in, we were running this workshop. We're full of our own importance and how brilliant what we did was. And the participants hated it. The content, I think, was too advanced. They hadn't had any good reason given to them why they were participating. They hadn't obviously paid to come. They were just told to turn up. And there was a moment where the whole group started talking between themselves about walking out, that they were getting no value, they had better things to do with their time. Thank God there was one influential guy who persuaded them to stay, and we scraped our way through to the end of the program. But this guy afterwards sat down and talked to us, and he told us something that then shaped my career. What he said is, you are very good at personal development, but we are very good engineers. And you have come across in these two days as if personal development is more important than engineers. That really landed with me. It really did. We felt like such worms afterwards. We went to this Chinese restaurant and we literally couldn't get the waitress to give us any attention. It was an extraordinary experience of what happens when you just get the stuffing knocked out of you and you feel really small. But what happened after that was we completely rethought everything about what we were doing. Because what we realized was that we were arrogant. 
we had a great product and we were really proud and we knew it had worked in certain sectors, but we didn't understand their world. We didn't understand the world of compressed gas. And more than that, we didn't respect that world. So here's the learning that we took. We took every element of our business and we turned it 180 degrees to face the customer. And all these years later, that would still be my approach. First of all, we took our product offering and we centered it on what did the client business need. And any of you who have worked with me directly will know that one of the things I always say is, what is it you're trying to achieve as a business? And therefore, how do you need your people to behave and think to achieve that? So in a sense, our work then became the bridge from the business world into that world of personal growth and development. And many leaders I've worked with over the years have ended up getting really involved in personal development, but it started from the business center. And from an HR perspective, we hired people who wanted to understand the client's world, who were curious and who were empathetic. If you've listened to the last couple of podcasts where we talk more about that. And from finance, we learned deeply how we could make their life easier. And in legal, we changed the way we set up contracts and so on. So everything that we then did said, we need to start from where our clients are. We need to understand how this program that we think is everything fits into their much bigger world. And so our culture work and our leadership work became in service of their business growth not in service of some ideal we held about the personal development journey and how people should go on it and it was the most important thing in anyone's life. And as a leader, my role was to be close enough to understand customer needs, to really challenge every role in our team. How do you contribute to that? So here's the exercise for today. If you work for a large organization, ask yourself and ask your team what can we do which directly gets ahead of what customers need and prevents them from even being unhappy? What can we do that actually makes us so indispensable that we are like the air that they breathe, that they don't even have to think about us? And if you work for a small organization, think about all those different roles that a larger organization would have and check that each one is being covered by somebody. Perhaps if you're on your own, they're all covered by you. If you have colleagues, then each of you playing one of those roles. And then look at each of those roles and say, what part of a customer's experience do we influence? Not just through an internal customer relationship, but what part of an external, the real customer's experience do we touch? So it really does take a village to have customers become so close to you that you feel indispensable. But it's certainly a goal worth going for and I invite you to play with that exercise and see where it takes you. It's been great to talk to you this week. Thank you. <music>